Greetings and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Miesler, and this show provides content curation as a service with a focus on the intersection of security, technology, and humans. I spend between 5 and 20 hours a week consuming books, articles, and podcasts, and each episode is either a curated summary of what I've discovered in the past week or a standalone essay that hopefully gives you something to think about. All right, welcome to episode 185. This is Daniel Meisler. Going to start off with security news. The Telegraph has found strong links between Huawei employees and Chinese intelligence agencies. So the counter here from Huawei was that this was extremely common among telecom companies, and it wasn't a big deal. And the counter to that counter was basically, well, then why did you try to hide it? So I think this is a pretty strong signal. It looks to be a pretty strong signal that there's something shady going on between Huawei and the Chinese intelligence community. But uh, I think most people already knew that. But this, this is a strong signal for evidence for that. The NPM security team caught a malicious package designed to steal cryptocurrency. Um, so a lot of these packages work by uploading something useful, waiting until it's downloaded and used by lots of people. And then they run an update um, to have it, you know, pull down the new malicious code. My buddy Andre Elutario did the IR on this um, over at NPM and said that they're constantly improving their ability to detect these kinds of attacks. Luckily, you know, their team was actually able to handle this with, you know, their talent and their tooling and everything. But think of how many companies are in similar positions where they're actually like pushing out content that that's used by so many people, right? And, and they're just sort of opaquely trusting it who don't have that tooling and don't have that talent. Um, I, I really think that any team that's part of a supply chain should be thinking about this type of attack, like really seriously. Federal agents are mining state DMV photos to feed their facial recognition systems, and they're doing it without proper authorizations or consent. To me, this has always been inevitable because, as Benedict Evans pointed out, like recently in a recent blog post, it's a natural extension of what we already do as humans, right? So we already have like wanted posters. We already have like known suspect lists, right? And it's already okay for any citizen or any cop who has seen that wanted poster to go to the authorities if they see the person who matches the poster and report them. So it's not just possible for them to do that. It's actually encouraged. So the only thing that's happening here is the process is becoming a lot more aware because there'll be a lot more sensors, just like more people who have actually seen the wanted poster. And and because there's more sensors, it'll be more effective. Now, in both cases, both, both the humans and the, the algorithms are going to have false positives. I think the only issue here is people are only happy if that sort of thing is being done by humans. Um, I, I do think that any broken algorithms that identify the wrong people or automatically single out groups of people without actual matches, which, by the way, humans are doing that too, you know, those issues need to be you know, fixed for sure. But we can't expect society not to use like better machine alternatives to existing human processes, such as identifying suspects in public. That just isn't realistic. Our role as, as security people should be making sure these systems are as accurate as possible with as little bias as possible and that they're being used by the best possible people, 
In other words, we should spend our cycles improving reality as opposed to trying to stop it from happening. Google keeps your purchase history even after you delete all your emails, which is supposed to be how you remove the items. So instructions told users to delete the email, to delete the purchase history, right? So it, basically they said that if something got added to your purchase history from your email, you just delete the email and it will go away. But uh, this person in this test uh, went and deleted all their emails and then went and checked back three weeks later and all of the purchase history was still there and there wasn't any other way to get rid of the history. So more sort of just creepiness. It's almost like they're an ad company masquerading as an email and search provider. Nearly a third of the top VPNs are owned by Chinese companies. Seriously, uh, like this is my really strong advice here. If you're savvy enough to want a VPN and to be able to use one, you should be using Algo, which uses a combination of IPsec and WireGuard. Algo is the way to go there. And the link that I have in the newsletter is actually to an install script that will build you a complete box and give you the install instructions. Like it's almost as easy as using one of these, you know, pay for services where you're on some hosted infrastructure that you don't control. So check out this algo stuff. It, it's super cool. It builds you an entire stack, an entire box dedicated to you. It's not dedicated hardware because it's a VPS, but it's uh, way, way better than using these other services. Iran and China appear willing to unite against the U.S. in offensive cyber operations. So they just had a meeting and they were like, oh yeah, the U.S. is bad. They're doing all this bad cyber stuff. We should cooperate. And that is not good for us. This is a downside of having our perception in the world be considered an enemy. Now, you, you can say that maybe these are both enemies and therefore they're going to do enemy things. But it's a whole lot easier for that to happen if we actually act like we are the enemy as opposed to, you know, good people trying to do the right thing. Technology news, MIT and IBM have created a tool that can add and remove objects automatically from images. So you have like a, a picture of a house or whatever, and you just pick the tree brush. So it's like a tree, that's the brush you're using. And you paint a tree on the side of the house and it will place a tree on the side of the house in a completely believable way that looks like that was the original picture. Um, and you can also un, you can also remove things like that as well. So if there was a tree, you just paint over the tree and it puts the house there instead. You know, it fills in the part of the house that the tree was covering. So really, really powerful tools here for, of course, as a security person, it just makes me think, well, this is really powerful tool set for doctoring things, for lying with images, which convey a lot of natural truth, um, even more than audio. Cloudflare has had a major outage, which was caused by a bad software push. It lasted about 30 minutes and affected thousands of sites around the world. It was a misconfigured rule in the WAF that had a regex that caused a 100% CPU spike, which in turn caused a bunch of 502 errors. This has always been my, my, uh, my nightmare, basically, is uh, being forced to write filter rules and you push them and they take everyone down. Yeah. Writing regex that gets implemented on thousands of websites across the entire planet. That is a hard job. Human news. Japan has resumed commercial whaling for 30 years. 
I think it's easy to bash them without reading more into this, but it does appear that they're attempting to go after whales that are not endangered. Maybe that's just their PR. Uh, one of the whales on the list, it appeared, is still endangered, but the other two seem to be in fairly decent shape. But um, And they also said they're going to try to keep their very small numbers, like 200-something per year. But that doesn't quite add up to me. Like, if you remove a ban, um, how can you have that many whale hunters without a ban and only end up killing 200 whales a year? You know, based on the numbers that I understand, it that doesn't seem to add up. But uh, I do empathize for those who live in small towns and see whaling as not just part of their culture, but all of their culture. You know, their culture has basically been illegal for however long. I just wish the world were such that they could have their culture and the whales could live in safe numbers at the same time, you know, sustainably, like, you know, like, like an ecosystem. Ideas, trends, and analysis. If we don't allow people to sell their kidneys, why do we allow them to sell their data? This is a cool article over at the New York Times. Uh, someone on Twitter, I, I tweeted this out, and someone on Twitter responded, with a pretty good answer. You only have a limited number of kidneys, but your data can keep on giving. I think that's, I think that's kind of right. But um, I think the bigger issue is not that you have a limited number of kidneys. I think the bigger issue is that you are doing self-harm for short-term benefit. And in that case, I think the, the analog does apply. Uh, we should plant 1 trillion trees to put carbon dioxide out of the air or to pull carbon dioxide out of the air. Um, yeah, and I think this is cool because if it works too well, we can cut some down. If it doesn't work, we'll just have more trees. I've always been wondering about this. I actually, I interact a little bit with Andrew Yang and uh, I sent this to him a few months back. I was like, dude, you should make this part of like your campaign. I saw him a couple days ago tweet out a thing that he was going to be the Appleseed president. And I'm like, yeah, make this part of the conversation. Um, I hope he mentions it in the next debates. I think planting a trillion trees would be great for the world. Based on a Twitter thread I just saw, I'm going to look into copywriting my PII. Actually, I think this was the same thread when I posted it about the kidneys. Someone responded and was like, oh, I'm going to look into doing a copyright for my PII. And I was like, that was a cool idea. And then someone else showed up and was like, oh, you should probably do a trademark for your PII, but, your, but a copyright for your PHI. And then he went into the distinction a, a little bit there. Basically, personal identifiable, uh, identifiable information could be things like your social, but it's hard to own a social because you, uh, you know, it came from the government. It's a government ID. Whereas your, you know, your DNA, for example, your genome, maybe that could be trademarked. I don't know. I feel like law is crazy enough and stupid enough and weird enough that it often gets used against us. So if there's a simple little law trick that allows one to benefit from dumb rules like copyright and trademark, and I'm not saying they're always dumb, but often used in a bad way, then why not do that and, you know, get a benefit from it? Trademark the stuff 
send a lawyer army out to the world and be like, oh, you're misusing this data. Therefore, you owe us. Let me look. Oh, $74 million. And maybe they stop using your data or maybe they send you a check so they don't get sued. I don't know. It sounds far-fetched, but not as far-fetched as me spending the time to do a, a trademark. Now, if it's a million dollars, then obviously I won't be able to do that. But if it's, you know, $47, then I'm going to do it. Why remote work isn't going away. Got a pretty good list of reasons why remote work is uh, on the rise. And here's an interesting idea. Maybe hatred is getting so popular because it enhances self-esteem. And I think this is New York Times. Can't remember where this came from, but in other words, basically, as we lose our meaning structures through the loss of like family and religious or whatever, uh, you know, religious bonds, we, we look for alternative sources of like a strong sense of self. And if hatred checks that box, then you can be sure we're going to actually use it. We're going to lean into that, right? It makes sense. Nothing makes you feel more solid in your beliefs than getting mad at other people about them violating those beliefs. So like get off my lawn or whatever you know, makes you feel strong about what you are. And, you know, nothing makes that stronger than having it being trespassed upon. And that's basically the finding here is that it could be, well, I guess this is my extension of of the original article, but it could be that the reason we're seeing so much hatred is because it makes people feel good because they're lost without it. So if you had a bunch of meaning already because strong family bonds and strong religious bonds, then you already have a strong sense of self and you don't need to hate other people in order to feel good about yourself. But if you're empty and you're just floating, you're like, oh, I need to be anchored to something. I need some sort of mooring to a, a self or an identity. Nothing's better than hating someone for violating whatever rules you seem to have in place. Discovery. So some cool stuff I found over the week. So passports rated by how powerful they are. This is a cool data visualization. It's UAE, actually, that has the most powerful one. And they judge power by how many places it works, basically, right? So evidently with UAE, you can get into the most places without a visa. Um, the U.S. was fairly high up, but not as high as you would think. It was like number, I don't know, 15 or 20 or something. Uh, What makes things go viral on Hacker News? Um, The number one thing was super interesting. Uh, So they basically had two things that made really powerful articles. Number one was voice a common outrage, but back it up with data. So something that people have kind of felt and really been upset about but didn't have any numbers to back it up with. If you can voice it and give data, that is the number one. And the second one was provide, you know, really valuable knowledge, you know, and and a quick way to get into it so that it helps people. I I would have thought that would have been the first one. But now that I hear the first one, that makes a lot of sense. It seems clickbaity, but uh, I don't know. I I guess it's often done not in that way. I mean, I guess this is kind of what a real article does, right? This is what journalists do. They they touch into, you know, you know, a feeling of zeitgeist or whatever that people can't quite make tangible. They make it tangible and they back it up with data. Um, maybe that's only a certain kind of journalism, but I feel like that's a strong part of it. 
security.io, I guess is security.io, but S-C-R-T-Y.io, collection of resources for startups that need to do security. And this one's crazy, 25 words that are their own opposites. That is just insane. In fact, I'm going to click on this right now to show you an example. So here's one. Sanction from the Latin sanctio can mean give official permission or approval for or conversely impose a penalty on. (laughs) Oversight is the noun form of two verbs with contrary meanings, oversee and overlook. Interesting. Left can remain can mean either remaining or departed. Anyway, that's that's the type of vibe. It's it's fascinating if, if you're into um, language or vocabulary or whatever. Mapski, an actual map in the terminal. This is super cool. You tell that to the port and uh, you get a cool map and you can move around in it. Also, there's the um, technology here for. Um, recording and replaying terminal sessions so you can actually replay back the move the motion through a map so uh really really cool stuff and notes uh so i'm around two-thirds of the way through fall by neil stephenson i I keep alternating between like bored annoyed and impressed i think i'm definitely going to finish it but probably not going to do any stephenson anytime soon after that if ever just too many ups and downs. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about tinkering with some fiction myself. I, I really want to do it because it seems impossible, like making music. just seemed really, really difficult. And uh, I thought about making something in the future, like about myself, like this idea of, you know, I, I, I was born for the second time in 2173 or whatever. And just describing like a journey of what it would be like from a first person point of view to wake up and like think about things you used to know and blah, blah, blah. But it has a bad vibe to it. Like every time I think about someone writing about themselves in the future, I just feel like it just feels masturbatory. It just feels like self-congratulatory. It just feels arrogant. Um, And I ran the idea by a buddy, um, Eric Heitzman, and, and he thought the same. He was like, yeah, it just sort of takes away from the, from the narrative. So I would maybe have to do write that same thing from a point of view of someone else, which I do know a number of people well enough. I could probably write from their point of view, but it seems really hard to make someone from scratch and fill in everything. It just, uh, anyway, that's part of the challenge, but I really want to do it so that I can explore what I think is important, which is the ideas I want to cover. And and I want to cover the setting of this this time in 2173. And I've got tons of ideas about that. I just need a vehicle for the perspective. Um, I think in the meantime, what I'm going to do is just capture a bunch of ideas that I like about the setting and about, you know, the concepts and see what people think about them. I'm also really excited to get back to nonfiction after this uh, Stephenson book so much. I can't wait to read. I think I'm going to start by finishing the John Brockman collection of people's opinions on AI. That's what I'm probably going to do next. And recommendations, Bill Gates, three questions that he asked himself now, but he didn't used to in his 20s. Number one, did I devote enough time to family? Number two, did I learn enough new things? Number three, did I develop new friendships and deepen old ones? 
I think that's a fantastic list of three things. And aphorisms or quotes of the week. What do you want to avoid? Such an easy answer. Sloth and unreliability. If you're unreliable, it doesn't matter what your virtues are. What do you want to avoid? Such an easy answer. Sloth and unreliability. If you're unreliable, it doesn't matter what your virtues are. Charlie Munger. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsupervised Learning. And don't forget that the show is both a podcast and a newsletter. So you can get more information about everything you just heard by subscribing to the newsletter or reading the blog posts for each episode. Also keep in mind that I do the show weekly, but if you're not a member, you're currently only getting every other odd numbered episode. And if you want to get every episode of the podcast and newsletter, you can become a member at danielmeisler.com slash subscribe for less than a latte per month. Being a member will also get you access to the subscriber area of the site, which is the home for all previous member episodes, as well as other types of premium and experimental content. I'll see you next time. Thank you.